I, I just got finished with one as about a six month study on bacteria versus yeast. Right. So there is a competition going on between bacteria and yeast when it comes to ferment. And uh, it's a very interesting competition. Thank you so much for tuning in to the What's Good Dough podcast. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you share it. If you want to get in touch with me, follow us on Instagram at What's Good Dough. And remember to always ask, What's Good Dough? happening what's good though it's your boy idrif how y'all doing how y'all doing i'm doing great in case any of you were wondering today we have a special episode with derek from mia marco's pizza over in selma texas this dude is freaking awesome he is a husband a father a doctor of physical therapy, and is a pizza mad scientist running a food truck and is about to open a brick and mortar spot. We're going to talk about experimenting. We're going to talk about striving for perfection and just the art of making amazing pizzas. This one's a good one, y'all. So sit back, relax. And enjoy the show. And remember to always ask, what's good, though? Yeah, so I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I have a background in evidence-based medicine. And I've been in private practice. I've been in my own practice for right at 14 years now. So uh, pizza was my, it started out as being fun. I wanted to just make this awesome pizza, right? That's what's up. Um, so uh, my travels began, man. I started traveling all over the United States and uh, traveled to Italy and stuff, just researching what some of the greatest pizza in the world was. So I wanted to bring it to San Antonio, man. So we're, we're the land of tacos, dude. Now we got some good pizza over here. Hey, that's what's up. Um, you're in San Antonio or Selma? Yeah. So Selma is just a tiny little suburb Northeast of San Antonio. Okay. So man, we're like, we're on the, we're, we call ourselves San Antonio because it's hard to explain Selma, but we're right. I mean, we're San Antonio, Northeast San Antonio. So it's, it's just called Selma, Selma, three little towns, Selma shirt, Cibolo. So, uh, we, yeah, we say Selma. Is it in between Austin and San Antonio? Exactly. We're actually, we're in between New Braunfels. You know where New Braunfels is? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, New Braunfels is like the middle point between Austin and San Antonio on the same highway. So we're like about an hour away from Austin. That's I, You know what? I appreciate those towns because guess what? Everyone has to go pee. Everyone needs to take a pee no. break or whatever. And boom, <laughs> yeah, if like, where can I get some bomb food right now? That's your, right. Your so spot. What's crazy is speaking about peeing, do we have a place called Bucky's here? Have you ever heard of Bucky's before? Nah. So, man, these... These things have like about 200 gas pumps and the bathrooms, you can put like 500 people in these bathrooms There are these huge rest areas, man. So everybody stops it. Dude, that's coming through. Everybody's got to go to Bucky's, dude. So it's it's like a Walmart factory, but it's a um, it's a rest stop, dude, or like, a you know, a gas station. It's crazy. You know what? Maybe I have heard of it. I watched this video about this dude traveling to Texas for the first time, and he was like, I got to grab something at this place. And it's just this yeah. fancy, big gas station with 
everything you could do, everything you need all in one spot. Is that right? No, they sell they sell lawn furniture, barbecue kits. <laughs> That's sick. Sausages on a stick, chicken on a stick, deer meat. Man, they got it all, dude. Is how far are you from a Bucky's? Oh man, I would say I'm about ten minutes. That's not too bad, man. If, if, if you know they. If they stop at Bucky's and they're like, you know, I'm not feeling this food, I'm, I might go to get some pizza. We're at boom. Absolutely. So you're, you're a doctor of physical therapy. That's amazing, and you're still doing that as you're doing this build out. I was so excited right. to talk to you, um, and learn more about this build out. But first, you know, talk about being a doctor, bro. Like, let's celebrate that, yeah. and then, and then your your trip to Italy. What sparked that? Give me more. Well. Um, I love helping people, brother. So uh, I've been in uh, I've been in sports medicine, I guess, since 1993. I used to be a football coach and a teacher. Okay. And uh, sports medicine. I also did a lot of uh, athletic training with the kids, the high school kids that I worked with. And medicine was always a passion of mine. My uh, my undergrad is in biology, physics, and biomechanics. So I have those degrees. And then I I went on and finished my I left coaching and teaching and. I uh, finished my degree in physical therapy, and then right away I opened my own practice. So um, I was, um, I'm an Army Baylor trained doctor of evidence-based medicine research for physical therapy. So I'm a little bit different kind of physical therapist. Um, we used research to produce outcomes. So that led me to great pizza, right? The, there's only one problem with pizza, bro, is that uh, there's no such thing as a double-blind cohort study in pizza, right? So, <laughs> so I had to start digging in, bro. And and what's interesting, dude, is I think you know, and and I have a lot of beautiful friends in the pizza world, man. I mean, these guys are so passionate, and just some really great ones, man. We talked about John Arena earlier. I texted you, and John is a he's a dear friend of mine. And you know, there's a lot of a lot of Brian, uh, Brian Spangler, a Pizza Shoals, really good researcher and evidence-based guy. Um, but um, really, I wanted to. I, I look at it kind of at a different angle. I look at pizza maybe at a different angle. Most of these other guys do. Um, a lot of these people, a lot of pizza makers, have just carried on a tradition. Right. Whether it was right or wrong, they carried on this tradition. And when I came into the pizza world, I was this tabula rasa guy. I was clean slate, didn't have any kind of background in tradition at all. I'm an Italian mama and we ate good pizza. Right. But um, nothing in the pizza making world. So it gave me a unique opportunity to look at pizza, how a scientist would look at pizza, how a researcher would look at it. And that's how I started, man. So. Um, you know, I look at tomato salt content, different types of sodium chloride, the acidity of tomatoes, different uh, cell membranes of tomatoes, why some are good, why some are bad, water contents, why some water's good, why some water's bad. It goes on and on. I have books. I should write a book, dude. <laughs> That's what I should do. You should freaking <laughs> do that. And we'll promote the crap out I'll, of it I'll on this podcast. The, the crap out of it. No, hell no. No, hell no. no. You're giving me chills right now. I am no. afraid of you of what you're able no. to do and your experiences and the way you're putting it together no i mean really it's like not afraid i i should take that back but i am afraid of the freaking product that you're able to put in front of people the people who have that that outside thinking that level of commitment that 
determination to get better and you know really figure out how am i best using my ingredients to make some bomb pizza yo that's the that is scary yeah that's amazing that you have that experience brother it was real hard on me dude in the beginning because pizza is such a subjective thing right it is there's so many different styles so many different flavors dude and and how god wired me man is i like really subjective things i like facts and evidence so um when i got into this really subjective world you realize man there's nothing wrong with any type of pizza at all right people have beautiful forms of art people do beautiful forms of different things and uh, we just have to come up with the best outcome for what we're looking for so that's that's kind of what we did man we just got researched the best products put them together and then we just worked and worked and worked and we're still working dude i just changed we just changed some dough temperature. We just changed some stuff today, man. Just today we're changing stuff. So that always is... working towards perfection, dude. That's amazing. So when you're saying I'm creating stuff with the best products possible, are you going off anyone's taste buds then? Or is it just... Right, man. That's the difficult thing, right? So um, you have to take a, a maybe like a sample size of what people say is the best, right? So great tomatoes out there, man. I mean... Uh, I can even mention a tomato and then it becomes a political tomato war, bro. But there's great tomatoes out there. There's great flour out there. Um, the, and the stuff we use, you know, it's just like this accumulation of, of a certain amount of people that agree that that flour is some of the best or this flour is some of the best. And then all of us could get together, you and me and all these other pizza uh, nerdos like myself, and we can argue about flour for three hours, dude. It's, it's silly. Right. We can argue about pepperoni for an hour and a half. It's silly. But um, but nevertheless, nobody's wrong in it. It's just uh, what outcomes you're looking for. Right. Right. I mean, you read forums, they tell you to use one flour and then the, the novice pizza maker will think, OK, I'm just going to use that. And they, they may go years or forever and never change up their flour because that's kind of the traditional way they've been doing it. But you right. yourself and like you said yourself, too. So many people have subjective views on it. So what facts would you bring to this conversation to support what the best flower is? Um, here's what we love to do, man. And here's what research has led me to. And, and when I got into it, dude, I wanted, you know, to be right, you have to willingly be wrong, right? I mean, you can't be right unless you can accept being wrong. So we go into all research like that. And, and when I started looking up products, um, what I've come to find is you want to get products that people are passionate about making, right? So in my research, I looked for products that had a background of passion, okay? Like Caputo flour. Those guys over there, man, are super compassionate about making their flour, right? And it comes through in their product. Um, uh, their tomatoes, chow tomatoes, another one, really passionate about great tomatoes. It comes through. Uh, in their product, uh, Corto olive oil, Stanislaus tomatoes, another one comes through in their product. You know, Rob DiNapoli and his tomatoes, his passion for tomatoes, it comes through in his product. So those are the ones we started targeting, people that were passionate about what they did, much like we're passionate about what we did. So, yeah, that's, that's a good way to start, I think. If you just get some off-label tomato off the shelf, uh, Del Monte, you know, and I hope they don't get mad at me, whoever's working. Nothing wrong with your tomatoes, but I just don't prefer them on my pizza. That's not the kind of outcome I want. 
but uh you know that comes from a factory i don't know how much passion's behind those you dig it i feel that i mean these are people who have not only a monetary stake in it but they actually love their product right Right, and they're trying they're trying to crank out the best stuff and and consistency matters right with with their brand what do you do you have any experience working with smaller you know brand flowers people who mill locally people who make tomatoes locally like what do you have to say with them because i'm sure they have a ton of passion they're the small craft underdog yeah that's that's a great question you know we started out by milling our own flour we got some local wheat milled our own flour made a bunch of mistakes with that and we then we got some flour local flour milled you know there's some there are great san antonio flowers out there um but what we we've concluded, man, is that why mill it and try to make it as good as they're making it when they make it already? And they make it already great. Yeah, and they make it already great. Why mess with that, right? Fair so, point. And they, they have scientists to back their stuff. They're no joke. I mean, those guys have labs and scientists and, you know, they're, they want it right, too. So, and their consistency is way better than what we get as far as consistency. For sure. So we you know. that's why we went. That's why we did that. But yeah, there's some local flowers that are great. Um, okay. Just, uh, you know, outcomes are different from time to time. The consistency isn't there. So yeah. that's, that's good to know. I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to find that product of yours and it's you're going to make it the best possible. And right. hopefully that resonates with people. When you're talking about like kind of getting sample data of people's tastes, are you doing that locally within the area? What are you doing to kind of craft that taste other than yours? So uh, we started out with, uh, you know, you, you run into this, this phenomenal pizza, you know, like uh, we'll, uh, we'll go eat at John Arena's. We'll go to Metro Pizza. We'll go to Defara's, right? Um, we'll go to uh, different pizzerias and have a slice. And some of those like, like holy shit moments those pizzas that are like oh wow right you you kind of configure one of those as your target pizza then you go how do they do that right why is there a line going around the block at the forest is it the old man making pizza or is this pizza that freaking awesome right uh lucali's mark icono pizza is awesome bro he deserves a line going around his building so you start eating that stuff brother you know you start getting that stuff Tony Gimignani's pie, man. You can't you can't get a seat in his place, bro. His pies are awesome, right? So you start uh, looking at what they do, tradition or not, and then you know I apply the science to it. So why does it taste like that? What's going on? Why are people getting this response? And then we come up with Mia Marcos. So we we kind of just have our own gig, our own flavor, right? So we're we're um, distinctly Mia Marcos now we, we've kind of come up with our own flavor and it's it's damn good we have a we have a line too so we're happy man so <laughs> you I mean essentially you're you're grabbing samples from a diff- yeah. different a bunch of different pizza places right. that have earned their basically earned their stripes and you're thinking what are they doing how do I use data to kind of en- enhance optimize make it my own Right. Which one of those? Which one of those more resonates with what you're doing, or if neither of that, if none of them do? I think it would be good if I gave an example of that. So let's say I go to Totono's, right, and get a get a white pie, and I love the char of that pizza. I chart my stuff. How did they char the pizza? 
right? Uh, let's say I go to uh, Mark Icano and I love how he does his tomatoes, right? Like Lucali's. And I just kind of, you know, think about how he does his tomatoes. Um, Pauly G, go to his spot, have one of his pies. How did he do that? You know, I'm noting and notating and writing things. So we kind of developed, um, I'm, a, I'm a great thief, bro, is what I am. So we, we kind of developed our program around some of the greats, you know. So you want a Totono's white pie, we can, we can almost copy it, you know, almost perfect. Um, uh, and then some other things we'll get and we'll just improve on. So if you're making a good pie, I'll, I'll you know, research it, try to figure it out, and then we improve on it. Um, we've come to the point now, though, at Mia Marcos, where we're kind of just locked in. Uh, we know exactly what flavor profile we make. Our outcomes are tremendous. Um, people love it, so we're kind of locked in. Not to say I won't change, bro, because I'll change in an instant, right? You better have said that, because I was that's where I was going next. Yeah, I could I mean, be wrong. I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, I'll switch it in an instant. Facts. You know? So... You you have to be willing to accept failure, like you said, in order to get yeah. better. Um, and, you know, pizza is constantly changing. I mean, you could strive to be one of the greats if you're not already one. How are you going to put yourself in the position to be at the top tomorrow? That's a great question, man. And, and there's two things that you have to be able to do. Um, you, you have to be able to be wrong. You have to be able to change, period, right? Change and adapt. Um, to make a better pizza, I have to have been able to say that the five years of research notes, uh, everything I have was wrong, you know, and it, and it very well could be. Um, and then you just reach and research and you dig in and you experiment and you develop um, and you just keep working. You're always working in improvement, always, whether it's water temperature, salts, just always improvement, man. That's amazing. You've been, did you say you were doing this for five years of research? Man, I started research in 2005 on pizza. I started digging in. So just basic reading books, uh, a little bit of travel, um, and then started developing stuff at the house, at home, uh, taking notes, writing. I had to come up with my own experiments. I set up experiments at home. Uh, I built a lab in my home, actually. So I, had a, I have a lab here at home uh, just for pizza dough. So, um, yeah, it's pretty weird. I'm a weird guy when it comes to this stuff, so. What does your research look like? Are you just typing everything up, putting it in books? I mean, you must have a bunch of notes. A bunch of journals. They're all separated according to what style of research I am. Uh, they're set up a lot like a double-blind study, except uh, you know we don't have a lot of um, we don't have a lot of subjects to test. I, I just got finished with one. It was about a six-month study on bacteria versus yeast. Right. So there is a competition going on between bacteria and yeast when it comes to ferment. And uh, it's a very interesting competition. So are you uh, able to share some of your findings? Yeah. Uh, uh, something interesting that that one in particular, something interesting between bacteria and yeast is, uh, first of all, I have to tell you that bacteria is for flavor, much like beers or cheese or anything else. Uh, bacterial fermentation produces a lot of good bread flavor. Um, yeast fermentation develops your structure. Uh, they will compete. So uh, too much yeast and it beats down your bacteria, right? And too much bacteria, uh, you start producing too much acids and then it kills off your yeast. So there's a, a balance of bacteria and yeast to come out with really good flavor and to come out with really good structure. And that's what people look for. 
when it comes to pizza dough. Bacteria. I mean, you're not adding quote unquote bacteria into your recipe. What, what exactly, where exactly is the bacteria coming from? Yeah, bacteria is already in the flour. Bacteria is everywhere. Right. And there's one that's interesting to us, especially in the bread world and people that are into sourdoughs and stuff like that. Know that lactobacillus aureus um, is a very good or lactobacilla, right? Aureus is a very good bacteria um, for bread. It's a, um, it's a lactic acid producing bacteria. I just call it a LAB, you know, lactic acid bacteria. Easy to um, remember. Easy to remember LAB. Um, so the LAB help produce the lactic acid to help produce our flavors. That taste. You know, the taste, man. The taste that when you eat that pizza, you're like, oh, wow, man. What is this, right? I feel that. So, yeah. Interesting. And, and you look at the history of pizza, dude. Like you dig back in the history. And these people, you know, like Italy, they used to make all their dough by hand, right? And these guys are full of bacteria. And then they would put it in dough boxes, okay? And think of the wood in the dough boxes and how much bacteria was just resonating in that wood from leftover bacteria or leftover dough and leftover dough and leftover dough. I mean, they would just wash these things out with warm water, which is a, a, a bacteria. Bacteria love warm water, right? So more bacteria would get in this wood and then they take these big dough balls and they put them in these boxes and then they fold them in the boxes, right? Putting bacteria on top of bacteria. And then they let it ferment. Okay, it ferments up and they fold it again. You know, and they really didn't have refrigeration back then, man. So then they would ball it up and bake it. And then you get that really good, you know, really good flavor. Now, French are masters at it. And I, I believe the, uh, the French and the Italians somewhere in there collaborated in, in making some of their doughs, breads and pizzas and everything else. Wacky, that, right? and that, a little <laughs> bit that that answers a lot of questions though because sometimes i'm not getting that that mm, or whatever the taste is you know or when you have like a good beer or a delicious piece right. of bread that kick right and it's just like what the hell is missing what are you right. what are you doing to you know test bacteria or, or to find out what levels are optimal so it's very hard to find out what levels are optimal unless you have some type of uh, like electron microscope or whatever. And I have taken mine to a lab. Um, I have oil immersion microscope and I, I watch yeast and uh, just observation, you know, bacteria produce a different type of bubble than a yeast bubble. Um, and it's, we set stuff up and you can tell when bacteria are dominating compared to when bacteria are not dominating. I mean, I couldn't give a specific number of bacteria in a culture. You know, that's, that's pretty insane. But um, you can just watch how dough reacts, how it smells, how it rises, and can tell whether it's overloaded with bacteria or not. Wow. This is just a beautiful example of how much there is to learn in this world and how much there is to learn in pizza. I don't, I definitely don't think I know everything, right? But there are a shit ton of people, excuse me, who just say, oh yeah, I'm not going to change. My, my stuff is good. I'm good. Right. Whatever. I know everything. Don't talk to me. And right, then it's right. like, I talk to you and I just want to grab everything and just like, yo, take a look at this, man. Yeah, take a look, man. Research it. There's a few great books out there. Bread Science um, is a great book. Um, Chad Robertson has Tartine Bread, right? Uh, that's the thing too, man. When I, when I first started, I started looking at pizza dough and how they make it. But then you break off and start looking at some of the best bakers in the world. Uh, after all, man, it's bread. We're making bread and throwing a bunch of stuff on top of it, right? 
it's a pita. It's it's flat bread or focaccia. It depends on what we're doing. Um, but we're throwing stuff on top of this bread. So, and and the thing that pizza makers make the most is our bread, right? We I mean we buy products. You buy cheese and tomatoes and you do all that stuff. But uh, bread is what we're making. So I think that's where most of the craft comes when it comes to making pizza. Without the bread, what do you have? That's yeah. amazing. I've I've definitely heard. Uh, just around the industry, more focus on that, right? Every, now everyone knows about hydration. Now everyone knows about sourdough. What is the next thing that people need to learn about? There's a lot of, there's been a lot of talk. I think I, uh, me and John Arena early on, I think it was about 2007. Oh, maybe it was, uh, no, excuse me. It was 2011. And then we started talking about um, auto lysing and, you know, nobody really would auto lice their dough. And now I think uh, I didn't I didn't definitely come up with it in the pizza world. I think it just spread like wildfire. But, you know, with auto lysing, uh, the your dough is it's a pretty to me. Once again, different people enjoy different outcomes. But um, auto lysing, I think, is pretty important because of what it does to the dough. Uh, oil contents, too, or fat contents within the flour. Um, some people will argue you don't need oil in your flour you know i've had that argument with people or i you know uh, uh not an argument but uh you know definitely a, a debate a heated a discussion or debate or whatever you want to call it man so um uh, oil in dough is is pretty important you know and uh, to some people that said oh you don't need oil in dough man but uh, a lot of research out there there's actual studies on that some french studies one done in 1954 there's one done in 1963 on oil in dough or fats and they started looking at solid fats compared to liquid fats and you know the structure produces the coating on the inside of the bubble is a protein coating and i mean it got really interesting man so um oh stuff like my that goodness. So you're blowing my mind you know I, and i think what we come back to you know every single time is what's good dough to you because it's yeah. different for someone else right it's different for me it's it comes down to what's good dough for you. So in your opinion, right. what's good dough? Man, I like it thin, crispy, and foldable and just the right chew. Light as air. Beautiful flavor, man. Just like a like a like you're in the French countryside grabbing a fresh loaf, right? From a dude that's been making bread for 150 years. Or it's been passed down from generation to generation. It takes science to go in reverse, man. Right? Because now all the new the technology now, stainless steel bowls, man, everything's spotless and stainless steel and all that stuff. Really, that changes the profile of your bread. These guys are making it wood boxes and just, you know, they don't wash their hand for 10 days, bro. <laughs> you know, and they're, and they're making this dough, man. And, and of course, when you bake it, it kills everything on it, right? So it's safe to eat. You know, you put it in a six, 700 degree oven and everything dies on there. So it's really safe to eat. The residual flavor is tremendous. It's awesome. That's but, amazing. Yeah, we got to go backwards now, man, to, to, to uh, we got to use science now to get that kind of flavor. You got to go backwards to get that kind of flavor. I want to get, I want to get back to that, the whole not washing hand thing, but I just, just a quick <laughs> aside, I've never been to the French countryside, but I've been to Paris and I just, you, you brought me back, man. I was jet lagged as hell, couldn't go to sleep or I woke up super early and I was like, oh, perfect. The bakery across the street's opening up right now. And dude, just getting that fresh, hot, and it's just 
oh my goodness, amazing. Right. And it's you you can tell. I mean, the, like you said earlier, the French and the Italians they're doing something right over there. They they have that history. They have that understanding. Right, right. And what's crazy, brother, is that it's starting to be lost. It's starting to be lost, right? Because the uh, these guys are they're uh, they're mixing with machines. They're never really. You know, maybe the passion's going away, right? You start adding technology and the passion starts to go away a little bit. You have to implement the passion within your product or whatever you're doing to get the flavor you want out of your out of your bread or your pizza dough. Let's have a little bit of a talk about this. Um, how could we use technology to our benefit? Then? Just because I feel like I, as a human being, can overload only so much until I break through another level and then overload so much again. But a lot of people, they want technology for comfort, for ease of use. Like going back to stainless steel bowls, the reason why I'm trying to switch up my um, my mixer, or not mixer, but uh, I have a food processor, right? okay, not, yeah. even, not even stainless steel. But the reason why I'm trying to get out of that and get a, a, a different type of plastic food processor is so that I can put it in the dishwasher and not have to worry about that. And then that frees up my my mental capacity to think about other things. What can, I feel like saying that uh, technology is the source of us losing it, the craft portion of it is, it can be very valid. But how can we put the two together so that we don't lose this art, but then we also have time for other things? So you can't cut corners and technology is made for us to have an easier life, right? So uh, uh, compared to a crank telephone or a rotary telephone or a push button telephone, now we have an iPhone we just talk to and it calls whoever we want. So it just makes our life easier. Some aspects that's really good and some aspects it's not so good. In the pizza world, uh, technology is good because um, it speeds processes up, it saves money, it cuts time. It's bad because it removes old world tradition flavors. Um, it removes the thought processes of what you're doing. Uh, and if you allow a machine to do your work for you or all of your work, uh, it certainly removes some of your heart, right? It certainly removes some of your, your passion for making great breads uh, or great food. And I think all great chefs will tell you that, man. They, you know, uh, they love the technology. That's cool, but you know, that's great. But is it gonna is it gonna give you the outcomes that we want? So I've made so many mistakes, man. That you know, I've come to realize you a corner cut is just ruins what you're doing. Uh, and usually, cutting corners is using technology to do it. So we use it, man. We we have spiral mixers and we. You know, we have special fermenting tanks and uh, we have special dough boxes and stuff like that. But with what Joey and I are doing, and Joey's he's my brother and he, you know, he, uh, we're, in it, we're in it together. So what we do is uh, we may use a uh, spiral mixer, but that dough is going right into an old wood box where bacteria survives and, you know, where it thrives and it can uh, ferment at the right temperatures. So just the old world. You, if you think about how these guys made dough a long, long time ago, and you implement some of their things. Think about their environment. Think about the equipment they had. And just try to throw some of those things into your dough. I promise you, your dough is going to come out better. Just try it, dude. I'm, still, I'm trying it this weekend for sure. Yeah, just I try, try. try some. Think about their environment. It was warm. 
right? It was, dude, it was hot, you know? Just think about what they did and just throw some of that stuff in your dough making and watch how it starts to improve. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm going to start by not washing my hands because that was <laughs> nude. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean it in a bad way. No, of right? course not. But can you just, can you just care to clarify a little bit for those who have no experience, right? Like what's a healthy balance between food safe and what is not food safe? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, you got to wash your hands. It's just, I mean, I'm a doctor. I've washed my hands 70, 75, 80, 90 times a day, bro. So before yeah. I do anything, never touch your face either. Right. So keep your hands off your face. Um, that's, that's a really, this whole Corona thing, man, you keep your hands off your face and wash your hands. You'll be fine. Um, but, uh, you know, before I start dough making, we wash our hands, but then during the process, we don't. So after we were making dough, when we're putting our hands in it, uh, we don't go wash our hands, stop and wash your hands, stop and wash your hands, stop and wash your hands, right? Um, you can wash your hands and there's still going to be bacteria on there or enough bacteria. And do a little experiment at home or with yourself, man. Make a dough and don't touch it with your hands. Mix it, get it out of the, get it out of your bowl with a spoon put it in a plastic container and cover it, make a dough, wash your hands and then go work with a little bit and put it in a bowl and cold for a minute for a couple of days, pull it out and smell it. And you tell me which one you would eat. Right. So, um, the, the nose is a super powerful thing when making dough, right? Cause you have to, there's a certain smell, you know, and then you can identify that smell with outcomes using your hippocampus of your brain uh, your memory portion of your brain is tremendous. When you can identify a certain smell, you're going to know the outcomes. So you always see me smelling dough, bro. I'm always, you know, I have buddies in the pizza world. And I, oh, that looks great. Let me smell it. They're like, what's wrong with you? Not smell their dough. Oh, that looks great. Let me smell it. And you can tell which doughs are going to be really good according to their aromatics. That's so funny. I, feel like <laughs> I, I use I use my nose um, most a lot of the time. I mean, I use my nose a lot in my life. I feel like my wife is always making fun of me. She she looks at me and I'm just like trying to kind of take it in. And she goes, "What do you smell, boy?" Because like I do it like <laughs> I'm a freaking dog. It's so funny that you say that. And that's that makes sense. I I want to try that. Uh, basically, essentially, what you're saying is do some testing myself. Compare. Write it down, dude. Yeah, we can only store so much in our brains so before much, we forget. Yeah. Plus, if you have a lot of other stuff going on, man, it, you know, you will forget. So write it down. And are, when you're doing these tests, are you only changing one variable at a time? Yeah, so that that's always the challenge. That's why we built the lab is to control all variables. So, yes, we'll manipulate one variable at a time. You think with uh, what's cool, man, is you think with pizza dough, you have four variables. You have flour, water. Uh, salt and yeast, right? Uh, and oil, I guess you would say. Um, but man, you really start have to look at the variables within those products. What kind of salt? Where is it made? What is it made? You know, there's scientists behind those, or scientists behind the flour, scientists behind the yeast. So it gets pretty deep, man. You can drive yourself absolutely wacko. Dang. Dang, dang, dang! You freaking! I'm not. I'm never gonna look at it the same again. Thanks to you. That's crazy. good, man. Good. You're, you'll I, elevate your craft, man, tremendously, brother. I appreciate that so, so much. And yeah. it, it makes sense that you have this type of passion, and it, and it kind of shows in your other interests. You are a world pizza champion, three X. Can you talk to me right. about that? 
we were at uh we were at the pizza expo i mean i just i think it was right at uh 2011 it was 2011 when i met john and so we started talking but uh these guys uh they were the pizza judges i think it was tony gimignani and then uh, smokovich and scott wiener and john arena and um they were uh they just judged pizza i think for three or four days straight and uh i went on scott's pizza tours you know i was this nerdy pizza dude he said hey go to the pizza expo i went over there and then over there, uh, Scott said, hey, man, you got to make us a pizza, man. You know, make us one of your pizzas. I said, man, I don't have any product. He said, yo, I'm the king. Go around and tell everybody uh, what you need, and you'll, they'll give it to you. So we did, and we, we made him some dough. And then uh, we made him a pizza at the end of the show. And that's the first time I met John. And John took a bite of my pizza, and he's like, holy shit, dude. You would have won this thing. He goes, why didn't you enter? I said, enter what? He goes, there's a pizza competition. And uh, I'm a real competitive dude, man. I mean, you know, a former football player, all that stuff. I'm a sports guy, a real coach, and I'm a real competitive dude. And uh, I I got invited to the Caputo Cup in New York uh, and went over there, and we got fifth place. And I just wasn't prepared. I didn't know what a food competition was all about. Um, and then I kind of figured it out, and I went after uh, a better product. And uh, that pizza competition really drove me to produce a better product. There were some phenomenal pizza makers there, man. I mean, uh, some of the best, you know, some of the winners have been uh, Nino Coniglio, phenomenal pizza maker, bro. Uh, I love that dude. He's, he's excellent at what he does. Uh, Norma Nepp, another one, phenomenal pizza makers. These people have won it. Um, uh, Will Grant, another guy, phenomenal, man. Uh, so I jump in, I add my science, and boom, I win one. You know, and John came up to me, I told you, you know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, that's great. So um, and right about that time, dude, uh, I was reading about Roman pizza. You know, I was watching what it was doing in Europe. And I have family over there in Italy, Benevento area and uh, in Naples and stuff. And uh, they said, hey, dear, you got you to make a Roman pizza. So at that Caputo Cup, I went to uh, the Roman pizza booth. They had a booth there, I think a Roman pizza school. Uh, Massimo Severino, Justin Piazza, they were running this deal. And uh, I went and had a Roman, you know, pizza and it just a cheese. It was just margarita style, man. And I was like, oh, dude, I'm going to make this sucker. Yeah. So I started researching Roman pizza. And um, I I did about a year and a half of research on Roman pizza, um, making it here at the house. Um, and then my deal is, is I don't want to be taught anything yet i want to research it on my own and make a bunch of mistakes because that's how you learn you learn by making mistakes right so finally after all my research was done i said i'm going to go to florida and i'm going to go see massimo at his school phenomenal dude man beautiful heart world some of the best pizza in the world dude's awesome go to florida go to his pizza school and i started connecting things that i was doing to what he does so our process is a little bit different but the outcomes were very similar right so I come back uh, to the expo and enter the first Roman competition. And uh, from what I understand, you know, Pacelli sent their team over. They had all these best Roman pizza guys. And here's this Texas hillbilly show up, dude. And, <laughs> you know, and I win me, I beat him. I win a competition at the Roman, man. So uh, that, it was fun. You know, that was a lot of fun. And then the last Caputo Cup, I did a gluten-free uh, and I won that uh, won that division with a gluten free. So you know, just different categories. I'm trying to knock out different categories. So I think I have a couple more, and I can I can uh, 
crown royal of them all, bro, right? Dude, is that a thing? That would be sick. Has anyone done Brian, that? I don't know. I don't think anybody's ever done it. I don't know if anybody has won. Tony Gimignani, I think he's won. I think he's won like four PBG. P, I think he's got like three Super Bowl rings too. Tony Gimignani. So, Damn, love that guy, dude. Bro. Yeah, that's so <laughs> sick. Um, There's. I don't know how many people have won different categories. And that's, you know, um, uh, nothing on me, you know. I mean, that's that's just I just enjoy the competition of it. And I don't want to sure. win a category, and then go try to win the same category over and over and over just to rack up. I'm trying to push myself um, to different stuff to learn different stuff, and then I guess a, a competition is kind of like a test for me. Are those outcomes good with some of the best pizza people in the world tasting my pizza? Right. That's kind of how I look at it. So. Dude, that is crazy. This just your story, your process, your thought process. It's amazing. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, you you freaking go, you try pizza, Roman pizza for the first time, and then you're like, I want to make this. And then you you go to two schools. Is that it? No, no. I so I I get a call from my cousin Bartolomeo, and uh, he's like, dude, you got to make Roman pizza. He goes, it's phenomenal, and he's he's a legit dude. He knows, you know. So I said, okay, I'll make it, man. I'll start researching it. So I started researching it, you know, looking up stuff and messing with it at home, getting the right flowers, messing with it, got better and better and better, making a lot of mistakes, charting. Um, and then uh, I started getting into like uh, fruit ferment. So uh, to win, I made a, uh, I fermented my dough with apricot water. So I used apricot for my ferment you know, for my yeast and bacterial fermentation process. And, the, and it was really unique because the dough, or when you ate the bread, it had a slight hint of like apricot liqueur. It was, it was amazing, bro. It was really light and airy. It's delicious. And, uh, but I started researching that. I wanted a certain structure in my dough, you know, a certain look and a certain feel to it. And then the closer I got, man, I said, okay, I think I'm ready to go to Massimo school. I want to see what he does, you know, and he, he also has a beautiful process of making it. Uh, a little bit more of a commercial. It's a smarter process than what I was doing. So I just took some of what he did and implemented it in what I did and came out with a came out with a product. Got but it. Yeah. But um, no, I didn't go to school for about a year and a half for it. And then to kind of, you know, see what really successful people do. I went into there. Uh, I didn't want to go early because then I or I didn't want to just jump and learn and do my deal because um my quest wasn't to produce a commercial product. My quest was to make this phenomenal pizza. It wasn't to produce a mass amount of Roman pizza. It was just to produce uh, this phenomenal product. I mean, that's a great way of looking at it. It's just how do I make it my own first and then learn from a pro to see what I can pick up, if anything. And, and it's something for you or all viewers, you can think about learning processes. You know, there's a uh, you get into like psychosomatics or the psychology of learning. Uh, to me, uh, the best way to learn for me is failure. And it's the, the best way to learn for most people is failure, just about how we work. But if you're going to do something, let's say you're setting up your podcast and no one ever taught you, you're going to make a ton of mistakes at first. And then you go watch someone who's an expert at doing it and it just implants in your brain and you just don't forget. Bro. You know what I'm talking about, right? Discovered it like a couple weeks ago. What the <laughs> hell? That, that's how I kind of, that's what I've that's what I've done in pizza. I've really made all these mistakes. And then, you know, and then uh, I've been fortunate enough to be around these beautiful people of pizza and I see what they do. And I say, Oh yeah, I get why I'm messing up. I get why that's so good. 
I get why I'm not coming up with this outcome. Yeah. Fail forward, brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what, where was that? Like, was the plan to always have a restaurant of your own? Uh, making pizzas at my house, of course, you know, just a home baker making great pizzas at home. Got better, got better, got really good. Um, started making it for local people around the neighborhood. Uh, got too much to do in the house. And my buddy Joey, he's like my brother, I call him my brother. Uh, he was in the food uh, business for about 20 years, 20, 25 years. He was running uh, Italian restaurants for people, uh, doing pretty well. And uh, I said to him, I said, hey, man, uh, you want to open a, you know, open a food truck. I mean, I got to get people from coming from my house, man. We can direct them to the food truck, see if we can make some money on this thing. So I set it up as a test and a retest. You know, is this thing going to succeed without having to blow four or $500,000 or having to have, you know, 20 employees that I got laid off or just throwing a bunch of money at it. So we produced a food truck or a food trailer, I should say. Um, uh, so that was a test and we were just testing it out. So, Five years have gone by now in the food truck. And um, I guess about two years ago, I started knowing we're going to come to a point where either, either, it's either going to be shit or get off the pot. It's either going to be, hey, we're going to move forward to this thing or I'm going to shut it down. And, uh, you know, Friday nights, man, we have a Friday, Saturdays, we have a three and a half hour wait for pizza. And, yeah. So it's like, hey, man, I'm not getting off the pot, <laughs> you know. We got to get something bigger. So I think we've just let this business develop itself. The test has been proven. We have, uh, there's some good stuff with that. So now it's about bigger ovens, right? Now we got to get bigger ovens and more product going out so we can feed more people. So we've kind of let this business grow itself, man. It's, uh, uh, it's the, with, with all of the focus brother being on the pizza, this has allowed us to keep all of the focus on the pizza. The truck has allowed us to develop and change the pizza throughout the very beginning. It's just gotten better and better and better and better. You know, now I think we're at a point where brick and mortar, it'll work because our product is is right up there. I mean, it's uh, it's good, bro. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I'll eat it every day. <laughs> You're making me want to go there like tomorrow or as I'll soon as I can fly. Man. I'll feed you like a king, bro. You're welcome. Oh, oh my goodness. No, um. No, that's a, that's a, like I w we were texting earlier, that's a great progression, right? And when you told me, I, I had no idea of the person who you were up until now, and I still don't know a lot about you, obviously, but just sure. when you said research earlier, when you said your progression, I was just like, yeah, it's natural and it's, it makes sense the way he's doing it. But the way you explain it now, where it's like you became obsessed, you, you used yeah. your background and, and strengths and, and applied it to this something to this thing that you were curious about and made all these changes and then tested it dude you're setting yourself up to be able to serve some amazing pizza in a larger right. amount of volume right amazing that's exactly bro you hit it on the head you hit a home run right there that's that was the challenge now the new challenges are going to be to keep our quality extremely high when we're pumping out that much quantity right people lose quality when they start pumping out quantity and we're going to focus on just this amazing quality of pizza, man. What are you doing? I mean, you're obviously doing a brick and mortar build right now. What are you doing to kind of set yourself up for that success? Are you, yeah, what's going on in the background? So I'm looking at successful brick and mortars. Once again, research, right? Look, why, why reinvent the wheel, man, when it's already been done, right? 
So we just go out there and we looked at some of the most successful restaurants in the world. Uh, they have three unique qualities, and this is something that your listeners may be interested in. Aesthetics is huge, right? We judge right when you're walking up to the place, dude. So you're judging this place immediately, you know? Aesthetics are huge, man. So we're really focused on the beautification of this old farmhouse that we have right off the side of the highway. Uh, in Texas, everybody likes to sit outside. So, you know, we're going to have this big outdoor area. Um, and then quality of service is huge. Uh, even if the food is bad at some of these places, if the service is beautiful, they're coming back, man. Right. They're going to give you more chances for sure than just one if your service is really good. Uh, and then, of course, the number one thing that we noticed is just the quality and passion and all of the work that people do. Some of the greatest chefs in the world, man, they're not there for the money. They're there for the painting. They're there for their quality. They're, they want to have, you know, Picasso didn't paint for money, you know, did a little bit, but that's a, that's a whole different story. But, uh, you know, you look at some of the greatest chefs and greatest artists and everything else in the world, they do it because they love to do it. I love that. It drives the work. It makes it worth coming every day to see your, to see your progress, you know, just, yeah. I'm looking back at my older pizzas and there is, you know, little change, little sure. by little. I look, I Instagram stock people for a living now, partially yeah. just to do this podcast. And I see people's growth over time. And that is a beauty to see. That is fun for me to share. And I feel like you doing that with pizza is, again, I am so scared to to see what you're able to, to produce man. i'm i'm like excited i'm i i look forward to that day really yeah i'm a little i'm a, I'm a little weird with it but or obsessed i should say but uh man i still have the passion you know you think after all this time you know do you want to change your stuff do you want to man i do you know i'm still looking for uh i'm still looking for the best ways to implement water in dough right uh, different people have different ways to do it uh, Leo Sparizzi, a beautiful guy, beautiful pizza maker, uh, just phenomenal brain, phenomenal mind in pizza. So many guys. I mean, I don't have to mention them. You guys know who you are out there. Uh, we're all friends and, and uh, we all we talk about different stuff. And it's just, uh, you know, I, I felt like when I started getting around my brothers and pizza and sisters and pizza that I was absolutely normal because there's a lot of us that, you know, can sit and talk about all this stuff all the time. So. And we help each other. So that's the beautiful thing. The helping, the the no secrets, the lifting each other up, the alliances that are formed, you know. Oh it's yeah, a, man. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of this community. I'm so yeah. freaking blessed and happy every day knowing that I, I stumbled upon it, that I took my fat boy love for pizza and you know, dove a little bit deeper, just an even an inch. And then it just continued and spiraled down, you know, obviously I'm not as deep in the rabbit hole as you are, but shoot, I am so glad there are people who are this deep into it and just evolving the game. I'm so happy and thankful for y'all. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I am too. I'm happy and thankful for people like you too. And like, you know, uh, I never ever thought that pizza would take me here. Right. But you just go where the truth leads, man. That's beautiful, man. You go, where, you go where the evidence takes you. Just follow the truth. <laughs> That's so cool. That is great. Is 
Is there anything else you'd like to say to listeners? Yeah, seek truth. Right. And what you do, everything you do in life and uh, your pizza, you know, we're talking about pizza and your business. If you're trying to develop your business in pizza, uh, make sure your heart's in the right place. I would say if, uh, make sure you want to produce some of the best pizza in the world uh, and let that be your business. And if that's your business and if it's really in your heart, you're really not working at all. Well said. Well yeah. said. That's a great message for everyone. Oh my gosh, this was amazing. I I don't want to keep you for too long because I know you're busy. You're a freaking doctor of uh, DPT, right? And then you're building, you're building and researching and everything. Want to be respectful of your kids. time? I got two babies, beautiful wife, dude. I'm I'm a busy turd, dude. <laughs> I'm you're a superhero. You're I'm a superhero, go bro. Sausage on a stick here in a second, bro. Right up his buckies. <laughs> do it, man. Do it. Do it. Do it. Where can people reach you? So you can find us at we're at Mia Marcos Pizza on Facebook. You can uh, you can email us or message us there. You can email me at DerekSanchezPT at gmail.com. Uh, you know, we have a lot of questions and stuff like that, people reaching out on, on Facebook. So Instagram, I think we're Mia Marcos uh, Pizza or Mia Marcos um, on Instagram. Uh, my wife does all our social media, man. I really don't have a lot of time. And uh, I share some love on social media and then try to reject all the negative stuff, dude. And you know, just just keep rocking, guys. Just put your time in. Keep rocking, man. Thank you so much for sharing the love on this podcast. You are like the most interesting person I have talked to in terms of pizza science. I, you blew my mind, bro. Thank you oh, so much man. for blessing us. Call me back, dude. We'll do it again. We'll get into some like uh, different kinds of ferments, man. I kind of, would yeah. love that. Yeah, and then put your hands in your dough, bro. <laughs> you're giving me chills man i can't wait for that day let's link up again thank you so much for being on the podcast have a right, great day you, uh, peace what an amazing episode derek thank you again for being on the show you educated me and i'm willing to bet you educated a whole bunch of others i am truly truly impressed and i can't wait to take some of your tips and apply it to my own pizza making so thank you to the listeners, y'all are amazing. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to remind you all that I am committed to making a better podcast show after show, time after time. And in order for me to do that, I need your feedback. So please leave me a comment on Instagram or rate the show on Apple Podcast. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated. Make sure to tune in next time and be safe, y'all. Take care. Peace. Thank you so much for tuning in to the What's Good Dough podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you share it. If you want to get in touch with me, follow us on Instagram at What's Good Dough. And remember to always ask, What's Good Dough?